Welcome to Polly Wanna Cracker. I am Tim Baker, and I come to you from the confines of Semaphore today in the electorate office of the Australian Labor Party member for Port Adelaide, Shadow Minister for Environment, Environment, Climate Change and Water, Mark Butler. Welcome to the show. Great, great to be here. Um, thanks again for um, for sitting down with me. And um, do we do we talk about Port Power or? <laughs> uh, look, we're, we're we're doing we're doing all right on the table. I mean, I think we've we've lost a, a hell of a lot of players this year to injury, so we're we're very much underdone in terms of our list. But you know, we're going all right. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if you were a Crows fan? I imagine you you couldn't be in this position if you were. But a Crows fan in in this electorate, that would. Oh, I still, you know, I still walk around the electorate and see a lot of people in Crows uh, yeah. regalia, particularly in the northern parts of the electorate, because the the electorate of Port Adelaide runs from um, effectively sort of West Lakes, but right yeah. out almost to the Edinburgh Air Force Base. So once you get out to those northern suburbs, they're not as uh, as sort of um, fiercely loyal to the Port Adelaide Football Club as people in the old area of Port Adelaide are. Yeah, right. Do people get stuck into you a little bit when you're out and about? Well, I've been to street corner meetings, which I try to do as many Saturday mornings as I can, and um, particularly out in the northern part of the electorate, and they say, well, we don't want to be in the electorate of Port Adelaide because <laughs> we support the Crows. And yeah. so, well, it wasn't my decision to the call, yeah. the, call the electorate Port Adelaide. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's... Uh, Let's meet you go speed dating here and okay. um, tell me something interesting about yourself and let's get a sense uh, for who you are. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sort of a pretty ordinary guy. I've got a couple of kids at school. Um, you know, I've lived in the area a long time. Uh, I've now had the privilege of, of representing this area for three elections. Um, I spend what spare time I have with my kids, which it tends to happen when you're a parent of children my age. Um, you know, watching my son play footy and and um, ferrying my daughter around a friend's house and, mm -hmm. and things like that uh, and um, as much um, other time as I can get you know just spending time with friends yeah okay so you you have you hold a master's degree in arts and international relations and a first class honors degree but I'm interested in your artistic side Are you a creative guy not really. Uh, my wife is a great painter and my, my kids have inherited a bit of that. I played a lot of music when I was young. Okay. Uh, you know, I played in bands, played in the school orchestras and state youth opera orchestra and things like that. So I was a drummer. Oh, right. uh, and so I've, I've um, you know, grown up with the, with the usual drummer jokes um, <laughs> that, that, you, that you cop, used to sort of sitting in the background keeping, keeping the rhythm of the band, I guess. Yeah, right. Okay, so what, what bands did you play in? Oh, sort of bands when I was very young. Yeah, um, so nothing mainly, mainly cover bands, no one. Yeah, known. okay. Cover bands. Good fun, good yeah, fun. I can imagine. So you, do you still pick up the sticks? No, my now? daughter started playing the drums though, which means she's got a drum kit at home, uh -huh. uh, which makes me appreciate the, the horrors I inflicted on my mum uh, <laughs> when I was bashing the drums for many, many years and having all my friends bring their martial amps around and jam in our house uh, after school and on the weekends. But yeah, right. yeah I've, I've sat down on my daughter's drum kit a couple of times and okay. relived the glories. <laughs> <laughs> and what type of music was it that you were playing? Oh, it was Cold Chisel and Angels yeah. and Led Zeppelin and, you know, this right, was back in the language. 1980s. This is yeah. back in the 1980s. You're talking so my language, that, I like that. 80s rock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you have the long hair and the big Had long big hair, hair and, yeah, the, you know, lots of piercings. But, but back then, <laughs> no, people only just pierced their ears back then, you know. Yeah. No one pierced their nose or any of the other parts of your body people pierce yeah, right. nowadays, like eyebrows and things. Um, so yeah, right. It was pretty standard 1980s rock. <laughs> right. I'd, I'd like to see you get back out there and uh, beat the skins a little bit more. But anyway, um, 
So with your initial interest in um, law and international relations, was, was that what first piqued your interest in a political career? No, my mum was very political. Uh, um, she used to do a lot of work with the Labor Party uh, during elections and, um, you know, dragged me along to branch meetings and things like that when I was pretty young as a teenager and, and a lot of her friends were political. So I was exposed to it at a pretty young age mm -hmm. and um, just continued. I didn't do student politics or anything like that, but I, yeah. but I, kept, I kept, um, uh, kept a sort of a close um, involvement in, with the party uh, really that my mum had engendered when I was a teenager. Yeah, right, and I'm finding that a lot with the more and more politicians I talk to that it's um, a thing they've grown up with and that's sort of how they came into that party, that they aligned with that um, that ethos, I guess, and, and those, uh, I don't know, just political inc inclinations. Yeah. Um, so was there any ever a consideration that, oh, I don't know if I'm, if I do completely agree with this, maybe I'll you know, lean towards this way or that way. Was it that ever pop in your head? No, not no. really. I, I've, no, I've always, right. I've always felt very comfortable uh, uh, in the Labor Party, very, very comfortable with Labor values, that yeah. they reflect my values. That doesn't mean that we don't have pretty fierce debates within yeah. a broad church like the Labor Party about policy issues. We've mm -hmm. done that um, for all of the time I've been involved. Those debates have changed a bit over the few decades that I've been involved. Uh, but I've always felt very comfortable with the, where, where the sort of the core values of the Labor Party sit. Yeah, okay. They're my values. Yeah, all right. So it's, it's all systems go and the campaign is uh, underway, although, you know, um, there's been a bit of debate about signs going up early and we'll, we'll get to that. But how are you feeling about the election? Are you excited? Are you just happy to get going now? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, you know, it's been, there's been a, this sort of false campaign going on for a long time, um, and uh, it's good just to be in it. This is going to be a really long campaign. Yeah. Um, the way the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull structured the campaign means that for candidates, for volunteers, but most importantly for the electorate, it's going to feel like a very long time that we're in your face. Yeah. Um, and that'll be a bit frustrating for everyone, I think. So we're so given that it's it's so long since we've had an eight week campaign, I mm. think people are just really still working through the getting the line and length right. How do you pace an eight-week campaign yeah, compared yeah. to the usual four and a bit weeks okay. that we have here in Australia? But whenever I think, wow, this is going to be a long campaign and people are going to be exhausted by the end of it, whether they're voters or whether they're candidates, uh, I look over the ditch at America and I think, well, at least we're not America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That thing just, just goes on and yeah. on and on over there. Exactly. The primary votes and all that. I'm yeah. Yeah, sick of hearing about Donald Trump and... Yeah, so do you think it's going to be like peaks and troughs? We're going to see this election. It's sort of like you know, it's going to be all guns blazing and then sort of back off a little bit. Is that kind of? Yeah, I'm thinking about it a bit like a Melbourne Cup race when the, you know the horses come out <laughs> yeah. of the um, you know and really go pretty hard for the first few hundred meters to get a good position and then settle into a more steady pace yeah. until you get to the last several hundred metres and it picks up again. I mean, I think that's how an eight week campaign's probably going to run. Yeah. But we'll see. Okay. And I mentioned the signs before. It seemed like everyone was really keen to just get out there and get well, going. Well, that's what and, we've done for as long as yeah. I've been doing this, which, again, goes back to when I was a teenager. You go out on that weekend, you put your signs up. Now, the Prime Minister Turnbull decided to delay the issuing of the writs, um, mm -hmm. you know, because once you issue the writs, you have to give the opposition access to briefings from the public service. You know, I saw Christopher Pine yesterday acting like a minister, having a business round table as if he was still a minister, even though, um, you know, really they're in caretaker mode. So it was a bit of a tactical decision by Turnbull to delay 
the yeah. issuing of writs and I think it caught everyone uh, off guard. Everyone just went and did what we've done, the yeah. time immemorial, yeah. which is as soon as the election's called, you get up the Stoby poles. Yeah, right. And, and now we've had to, you know, take them down. So we've been taking yeah. them down in Port Adelaide. Um, you know, I've got a great, you know, great group of volunteers who got up there on the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a bit harder during the week because yeah. people are at work, people are doing the things they do during the week, but uh, and the weather's been terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but it seems like a, a lot of Liberal candidates have been steadfast in just leaving them up and refusing to take them down. What does that, does that send a message? Like, what does that say to you? Well, I don't really know why they've done that. I mean, you know, they've, they've had lawyers um, sending letters as well. Uh, look, I think it's a silly decision for us to have to take them down. But, but um, yeah. at the end of the day, you have to abide by these decisions and we've abided by them. I don't know whether it's the Liberal Party just didn't have the volunteers to be able to do it or, or what. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, we'll get through this yeah. phase and, <laughs> and I think people will start focusing on issues rather than, than um, signs. you know, who's put signs up and who well, hasn't. that's right. I mean, it seems like such a silly little thing, but uh, I don't know. It, it, I wonder if that's what what we're in for in this campaign, if there's going to be a lot of this sort of uh, back and forth over minor things like this that maybe deflect from what's really important. It's a very South Australian thing. There <laughs> aren't, is. There aren't the, you know, as a federal shadow minister and minister, you travel to other states uh, a lot during the campaign, and and other states don't have this um, yeah. thing about core flutes. It's yeah. it's a it's a real cultural thing for South Australia, and people take it very seriously. Either uh, wanting to get as many up as as soon as they can, or hating them. Yeah, uh, for my own part, the, driving around the electorate, seeing my face up on a Stoby pole is horrific. Can I say it's just horrific? Well, yeah, and it's almost uh, like every I think my kids hate it even more than oh, me. Really? But uh, but I can tell you, it's not a pleasant feeling driving yeah. up. Port Road and seeing your face on a stubby pole, it's really well, quite confronting. What, yeah, what do you do when you see someone that's, you know, maybe drawn some horns on it or a moustache or oh, something exactly. like that? exactly. Someone, unfortunately, a couple of elections ago, put one um, put one very low on a stubby pole out of front bar, outside, directly outside a front bar of, of one of the very well-known hotels in the electorate. And unsurprisingly, it was there for about, you know, 24 hours before someone had drawn something incredibly rude on my face. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. So we try, yeah, near the front bars, we try and put them up high so people can't attack them with a texter. Yeah. Ultimately, probably someone's going to find a way, but I can imagine that would be a, you either have a chuckle or it can be quite confronting. No, I don't don't, don't mind the graffiti bit. It's just actually seeing my face that I find awful. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've got to admit, when I listen back to these, you know, I hear my voice and I I don't like that. Even though, you know, I'm I'm listening to try and learn and, you know, I hope it's coming across in the right right way. But even this little ramble on that I'm saying now, I know I'm going to go back and listen to that and go, why am I just battling? (laughs) I could just edit it out, but I just, I tend to leave it. Um, so anyway, uh, the, reportedly the, the seat of um, Port Adelaide is a safe Labor seat. Um, but uh, re- reading a recent election preview article on The Australian, and you can make what you like of that, is um, it, it's a seat to watch that perhaps the NXT candidate, um, Michael Slattery, is a chance. So what sense do you get of um, your seat and how you're positioned? Port Adelaide's traditionally been regarded as a safe Labor seat. Uh, and if you just have to look at the numbers to see that that's broadly been the case since the seat was created in 1949. But but um, politics has changed. And, and um, uh, you know, over the course of the time I've been involved, uh, the major party vote has, has dropped on both sides. And the, the vote in the middle, the vote that swings around and attaches itself to, you know, minor parties and then moves a bit, has grown. 
So I don't think there's really any such thing as a safe Labor seat or a safe Liberal seat anymore. Um, every election is fought hard in all seats. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting on my hands and, and assuming I'm going to be returned because yeah. it's always been a safe Labor seat. Uh, we're running a campaign uh, here as we are in the seats that, that traditionally would have been regarded as marginal target seats. Okay. One of the, the comments that's come out is that um, this is perhaps one of the most important elections in a generation. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Because like, who knows what we're going to end up from a double dissolution. I mean, this is pretty monumental, isn't it? It is. Uh, and, um, I mean, I think it's important for a range of policy reasons. Um, it's important, um, you know, from the portfolios I have, particularly climate change, uh, and renewable energy, it is an important election because we've been stuck, really, for a number of parliaments. We've been stuck not moving forward on this really challenging policy area, but a policy area that brings enormous opportunities, jobs and investment opportunities. And I think Australians that, that I talk to are starting to see the rest of the world moving forward. That wasn't the case five or six years ago, but now, you know, the US, China, some of those countries that were regarded five or six years ago as really stuck and not doing much are now moving forward, investing enormous amounts of money in renewable energy and, and taking on the challenge of climate change. And so I think people are now thinking that while five or six years ago they might have thought we were getting a bit too far ahead of the rest of the world, now we're actually slipping behind. Um, yeah. And we're starting to see the impacts of climate change. And uh, and so I think from that point of view, the next parliament is really important. The, the past three parliaments have failed to deal with this issue uh, and the next parliament you know, must. So this election is important in that respect. More broadly in the economy, um, you, you've got different things happening around the country. In, the, in states like WA and Queensland in particular, the, the end of the construction part of the mining boom is presenting really big economic challenges to those jurisdictions. In South Australia and Victoria, the traditional manufacturing states, the closure of the car industry and other pressures on um, traditional heavy manufacturing is presenting different economic challenges. So, so there's a there's a really big debate. On the one hand, you know Turnbull saying the way to get through um, that this sort of transition period is to give a very big tax cut to companies and hope that that stimulates the economy, a $50 billion tax cut. From our point of view, we want to invest in education, you know, areas like renewable energy, which yeah. bring a whole lot of manufacturing jobs as well as energy jobs, uh, and, and see that as the future. Um, now, I've, I've got an obvious view about which one I think is right, but, yeah. but for voters, this is a really important debate. Mm. Um, because the the economy is at a bit of a transition point where uh, where you know in different ways in different parts of the country the economy is changing. Yeah, and we say that uh, Liberal want to uh, cut taxes for the big companies. Uh, with Labor, it's to cut taxes with small businesses mostly, right? Yeah, we've yeah. said we'd support the, the the company tax cut that was announced a couple of weeks ago by the Prime Minister for small businesses. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the $50 billion that he's allocated um, to this company tax cut ends up covering very big businesses as well. So over the course of the next 10 years, um, you know, basically the government is handing back one in six dollars uh, that, that that big companies would otherwise be paying to fund schools, to fund hospitals, um, to fund some of these new industries as well getting off the ground. So it's a big, it's a very big difference between the two major parties and it's a really important call for, for the country. Yeah, well, I personally would like to see more stimulation um, with small businesses and innovation and entrepreneurship because I feel like we're on the cusp of something 
here in Australia and here in Adelaide in particular. Like there is some, there's a different kind of thinking I feel like is coming and by encouraging some of those small businesses and this new thinking, this new entrepreneurial way, I just feel like that is perhaps the way forward for Australia. Now, I, I don't know whether that puts me on one side of you know, the political spectrum or not. That's just my view and how I feel. Um, so, yeah, my personal feeling is it would be good to see these small businesses, startups, you know, these incubation places to see some real change and actually move further into this century than what I feel like sometimes we're still stuck back in last century you know i think that's right you but you also need um you also need policies in place that support those industries mm. so so where, where are the industries of the future well from our point of view one of the big ones is renewable energy yeah uh, and um you know south australia is a leader in that respect not just a, a leader in australia but a leader around the world in terms of how we've grown renewable energy here mm. but but broadly across australia over the last couple of years investment has crashed mm. because tony abbott attacked the industry and while around the world hundreds of thousands of jobs have been created in renewable energy, here we've lost thousands. We've actually gone backwards very significantly. Investment in 2014 in renewables collapsed by 88% while it was jumping everywhere else in the world. So yeah. you've also, yes, you want businesses to be able to innovate and create jobs mm -hmm. uh, and grow into the future in a way that's relevant for the 21st century that mm -hmm. produces the sort of things people want. Yeah. But you also need a government that's providing a supportive investment environment. And, and we haven't had that in renewables. Yeah. And we haven't had it in a range of the other industries that will grow in the 21st century as we try to become cleaner, mm. uh, you know, a cleaner energy economy. So not just how we generate electricity, but, mm. you know, a whole range of other clean technology. Yeah. Uh, and we have, we have enormous advantages here. We have lots of capital. We have really smart businesses. We have great universities and the CSIRO and all those sorts of things. Um, that they, they create these ideas. Businesses run with them, create jobs. But we need a supportive investment environment from the government. Yeah, right. And you mentioned renewables and, um, and Labor have committed to supporting the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. How big a part do you think that that's going to play? I mean, you mentioned, you touched on it before, but, um, you know, renewable energy, climate change, how big a part do you think that's going to play? Because at the moment, it seems to be what it's always about is the economy and taxes. Yeah. So, well, well this is about the economy. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, and climate change and renewable energy are, are yes, they're environmental stories, but yeah. they're, they're also economic stories. Um, because this is where this is where jobs are going to come from in the future, yeah. um, and and transitioning particularly our, our electricity system into renewables mm -hmm. is not just a challenge we've got, but it's an opportunity. There there are lots of jobs, lots of investment that will come from this, which is why we've got a very strong target uh, for fifty percent renewable energy by twenty thirty. I mean that will create enormous numbers of jobs and attract billions of dollars of investment mm -hmm. here in Australia to build new solar power, yeah. to build more wind power across the country. We've already done very well here in South Australia. We're already over 40%, but the rest of the country is way behind us. Yeah, right. Really long way behind us. Uh, and there's more we can do. You know, there are new frontiers that we want to get into in Australia. We've got great PV solar, the photovoltaic solar, great wind, um, but we haven't got concentrated solar thermal, the sort of solar energy that also stores the energy mm. that's created during the day for use later on in the night. Yeah. You know, Port Augusta's run a great campaign, the Repower campaign, to get concentrated solar thermal projects up in Australia for the first time. You see them in the US, you see them in uh, Asia, you see them in, in Africa and mm. Europe. 
We haven't got them here in spite of the fact we've got the best solar radiation resources in the world. Yeah. So we've put $200 million into getting that technology uh, off the ground, you know, give it a foothold here in Australia so it can be a big part of our future. Okay, and it's not just in South Australia, you're looking at doing that around the country? Absolutely. I mean, South Australia is a leader because yeah. we've had a really supportive state government going back to Mike Rand, who really saw very early on the opportunities. Uh, I think sometimes people you know, have to remember quite how recent all this stuff is. Mm. Uh, when we came to government in 2007, there were only 7,000 houses across the whole country that had rooftop solar panels, 7,000. And yeah. when we left government six years later, there was 1.3 million. I mean, the growth in rooftop solar has just been phenomenal and it's kept growing since. It's now up to about 1.5 million. Mm -hmm. South Australia has higher levels of solar than any other jurisdiction on the planet. Like we are by a long, long way world leaders here. That means, you know, you've got businesses and other types visiting Australia to, to see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we should be a leader. Uh, we can export services. We can create jobs here if we just lift our ambition over the course of the 2020s. In talking about green and, and renewables, with ALP electorate offices, like what type of measures do you guys actually implement in your offices to to preach what you or sorry, to practice what you preach? Well we try to be we try to be as energy efficient as yeah. possible, but we at the end of the day we rent our offices and we don't have any yeah. say over where we are. Um, you know, there are separate property managers. We don't own the place, so we can't determine whether or not we we, you know, put panels on or things yeah. like that their decisions for, for other people um, you know I think people become I think people are increasingly conscious about these issues uh, in their own lives um, as for work you know they're often not decisions that yeah. you make as employees of the Commonwealth or employees of private sector organizations mm -hmm. but I get around to businesses now and businesses are thinking about this you know yeah. I was at I was at some printing businesses yesterday in Melbourne where where you know they've gone carbon neutral, they've got huge numbers of solar panels okay. on their on their roofs. You now printing businesses have traditionally been pretty energy intensive, yeah. but but they they were saying to me this is a this is a marketing advantage for them. You know when they when when they present themselves to customers in tenders and things like that as being carbon neutral, uh, customers are taken by that. They see that as as a as a marketing advantage. So businesses I think around um, around the country see the marketing benefits of this, but also see uh, the, the cost benefits. As electricity prices have increased quite significantly over the last decade, yeah. businesses are also looking for ways to cut their bills. So they become more energy efficient. They put solar panels on their roofs. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a no-brainer decision for a lot of them. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about ship and sub-building, which is happening here. Osborne's part of your electorate, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so you know, it's all happening here in your, in your yeah. electorate. So... Um, what was your reaction to the government's um, announcement that they were going to relief. build subs? Uh, yeah. Relief. I mean, this was this was um, something that my predecessor in Port Adelaide, Mick Young, who's a bit of a legend in the area, was he was you know he ran the campaign, the It's Time campaign for mm -hmm. Gough Whitlam in 1972, and then he became the member for Port Adelaide for a long time. Uh, and in the 1980s, particularly as jobs were winding down in the waterfront, uh, he pushed very hard for. Port Adelaide be to become the centre of ship and submarine building, or particularly back then submarine building. Mm -hmm. Worked very hard with John Bannon, who was the Labor Premier at the time, Kim Beasley, who was the Defence Minister, and, and got this thing built um, in the 1980s at, at Osborne, yeah. uh, what we now call Techport or ASC. Yeah. 
And, and it became for 30 years a bipartisan national project. It wasn't a Labor project. I mean, I, I have some pride in the fact that we started it, yeah. but Howard supported it. All, all of Howard's ministers supported it, like Alexander Downer and Nick Minchin. Mm -hmm. And it really was, what, really was, I think, on very solid footings for, for a good 30 years until Tony Abbott went and sort of flirted with this idea of sending all of the submarine building jobs offshore to Japan. And I think that, that frightened um, the community very significantly. It's a very big economic opportunity um, for South Australia, but for other states too, because whether it's the subs or the air warfare destroyers that are still being built um, down the road, uh, other states are contributing a lot to that project, whether it's you know steel making and a range of other services. So there's jobs across the country for this. And the idea that you'd, you'd essentially spend money to build a new shipyard in Japan and have all of those sort of supply companies pop up in Japan rather than here, yeah. I think, um, you know, made people just scratch their heads. Mm. So to, to return to that idea of a national bipartisan project where Labor and Liberal agreed that the centre of ship and submarine building for Australia is in Port Adelaide was just an enormous relief to everyone, I think. We fought very hard for it. Jay Weatherall, the local Premier, particularly fought very, very hard for it, but the community fought hard, the unions fought hard. Uh, and there's just a sense of relief now and we want to get on with it. Yeah, okay. So, since, it, I mean, it is a bipartisan project, but then Liberal announced it, do you think that that then hurts Labor's chances at all? Because if people see that and go, oh, well, Liberal did that. So do you think that affects anything? Well, well, well um, that will remain to be seen. I, I mean, I think people were people were angry at the Liberal uh, government for for considering the idea of offshoring all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they'd seen the supply vessels that we'd said should be built in Australia uh, go offshore. You know, yeah. Australian shipbuilders weren't even given the opportunity to bid mm -hmm. for um, the replacement supply ships that are now being built in Spain, creating lots of jobs in Spain. So there was a lot of anger. Now, quite what that what that means now that people have seen Again, this is now a bipartisan position of agreement between the two parties remains to be seen, I guess. Mm, okay. Um, we're almost at half an hour and I, I don't really want to stop talking, but I know you've probably got other things to do. But uh, I'm just interested in terms of um, talking broadly about the Labor Party direction and, and where you guys are at. I mean, Liberal talks a lot about the ideas boom and the innovation agenda and all that type of thing. Um, where is Labor in, in terms of that sort of thing. And do you feel that the Labor Party needs its own ideas boom at all? Well, <laughs> to have an ideas boom, you've got to talk. Uh, you've got to do more than just talk about ideas and, yep. and try and stick the word innovation into every second sentence. And that, unfortunately, I think is the problem the Prime Minister's got. Uh, he came in with such an enormous amount of goodwill from the community. And partly that was because people were, you know, frankly, Jack of Tony Abbott. But, but partly it was because they thought that uh, that Malcolm would brought it, bring a more centrist approach to politics rather than the very toxic, you know, always wanting a fight yeah. approach that Tony Abbott had. Um, and, they, and they saw him as sort of forward-looking, whereas they saw, I think, Tony Abbott as more backward-looking. But, but there's just not been anything, any meat on the bones. I mean, you can't, you can't have an innovation agenda without supporting renewable energy. In the 21st century, this is the centre of innovation is clean energy, clean technology. Uh, and as, as a condition of getting the job, Malcolm Turnbull has had to handcuff himself to Tony Abbott's renewable energy and climate change policies, which are incredibly backward looking, which have crashed investment in this area. So 
you know, it's great to have a Prime Minister who talks the talk, but we need him to walk the walk. We need him to walk away, particularly from Tony Abbott's agenda in these areas. Uh, so we've been talking about renewable energy, clean technology now for, for years. We've got very ambitious policies for the next um, 15 years, really out to 2030, to see new businesses created, lots of jobs created, investment come in from the rest of the world to support that. Uh, those new industries. But we also recognise that critical to this mm. is education. Mm. Like, you know, Tony Abbott and Christopher Pine really went after the higher education sector uh, in a way that was incredibly damaging. They've gone after CSIRO, again, incredibly damaging. We need, we've got a lot of repair work to do there. But what we've been trying to talk about over the course of the first week of the campaign is the importance of schools education. So today, for example, uh, Kate Ellis and Bill Shorten have announced um, a, a, a substantial package around science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, uh, STEM education at schools. We know that that is going to be incredibly important for young people to get access to the new jobs that are being created in the future because we know that the vast majority of those new jobs will require STEM skills, those sort of science and math skills. So innovation um, goes right back to school, yeah. goes right back to primary school, you know, making sure that coding is taught in all schools. Yeah. You know, that's again been something that Bill Shorten uh, latched onto very early, very early in our time in opposition. We've been talking about some of these things. It's about jobs today and jobs tomorrow, but it's also about jobs in 10 years' time and 20 years' time. The thing I love about the submarines project and the frigate and OPV building projects down at Techport is that when we were last in government, we really overhauled the trades training uh, resources in schools. And I remember going to a local school with Julia Gillard, who was then education minister. And I hadn't been to a high school since I was at high school because at the time my kids were both in primary school. And I was shocked because I walked into the tech studies, what I used to call the tech studies room, yep. and it looked exactly the same as when I'd left school in the 1980s. I mean, they had the old lathes there that had been bought as a job lot yeah. by the education department in 1964 or 1965. And I thought, how does, how does a kid who wants to get a job as a tradesperson at Submarine Corp doing incredibly complex uh, electronics work get trained on a lathe that was built in the 1960s. So we really put a lot of money into overhauling those trades training centres. So around the electorate of Port Adelaide, there are really quite sophisticated trades training centres now, including some maritime skills trades training centres that set kids up uh, to move into apprenticeships that will get them jobs at the Submarine Corp. And, and the submarines announcement, the thing we've been pushing for for so long, is going to run for decades. Yeah. Like I can, I can see high school kids at local high schools learning those trade skills who, who could potentially spend their entire career working on this submarine project and retire before this project's finished. Yeah, right. um, so it's very exciting, but, but you need to have a long-term horizon on it, long-term perspective, and recognise the importance of education. That's why we've been trying to make the contrast between the sort of $37 billion that is going to be needed over the next 10 years to really get our schools up to scratch because Abbott took $30 billion out of the schools uh, as, uh, as a contrast to the $50 billion in tax cuts that, that, um, that, Bill, that uh, Malcolm Turnbull has announced for companies. Yeah. Now, at the end of the day, this thing's about choices. If we've got $40 billion uh, to spend over the next 10 years, do you hand it back to companies or do you spend it on making sure that our school system 
is in the sort of shape we need to set us to, to set up students for their future mm. and that's one of those really critical debates that's going to happen over the course of this election yeah and it's it's actually it's really encouraging to actually hear you and and see on your face that you you're taking into account the bigger picture and you have this larger way of thinking because uh, i mean don't, no disrespect but I, I haven't until this point i don't feel like i've seen that enough from you know some people on the labor side uh, obviously, it's all going to shake out as the election goes on. Um, so it's just encouraging to see that you're thinking that way, and I hope that there are a lot of other people within your party that are thinking along the same lines. Uh, and that's not to say that I've seen it from Liberal either, but, you know, they um, they occupy a lot of media space, and so you, you do hear and see some things. But um, it's just... It, it is, it's good to have that long-term view because I don't feel like... You, you hear or see that enough. It's always the here and now. Well, it's the, it's the view that, that parents and grandparents talk to me about. It's the yeah. view that young people who have just come out of uni talk to me about. I mean, yes, people are focused on what's happening this year and, you know, the, the, the household budget and things like that. That's obviously a critically important issue for everyone. Yeah. Um, but but it, people are coming out to street corner meetings or stopping me in the street saying, where are my kids going to get a job? Yeah. You know, they're thinking long term. Um, that they do recognise that that um, you know this is an important sort of chapter for South yeah. Australia, but for the country more broadly, in terms of determining what our future path is, where jobs yeah. are going to come from, uh, and that they want they want this election to be having a full debate about that. Oh, for sure, and and that's where you know I, I completely agree with the, the the statement that it's the most important election we've we've had maybe ever, um, and and that. This double dissolution, I don't know if people really understand what that totally means, but it could be a complete clear out of everybody. If I have no idea whether that's the way it's going to go. I'm hoping not. No, no, I know you're <laughs> hoping not, and I don't mean to suggest that you will, but it, yeah, I mean, it, it could have huge ramifications for where the future, for Australia's future direction. But I think it will. Yeah, okay, well, look, we'll, we'll leave it there. I'll let you get on to do some more important stuff than chat to me. But I hope we can do this again sometime um, if you have time before the election or even after. So, We'd love to. Thanks for coming down to Semaphore. No worries. Thank you for having me. Right.